What's good, everybody? Vic Lopez here, as always, for the All Things Basketball podcast. Welcome back to the show, and welcome back to the mini-series of Why You Should Watch These Teams, where I finish off the Eastern Conference, and we do it with the top five on this episode. But let's get right into it. So first team on this list, obviously the fifth seed last season, the Toronto Raptors, 48-34. and 34. Had a great season, honestly, considering people always think the Raptors are are not going to be as good as they end up being. Um, I think that happens very often with this team. Uh, but yeah, you know, they've got a rookie of the year in Scotty Barnes, and that's where I want to start. I mean, if, if you have the word versatility on the dictionary, th- there's a picture of Scotty Barnes right there. He can guard multiple positions. He can fill multiple spots on the offensive side as well. I don't want to say he can play small ball five, but I, I think the potential is there. Okay, now he knows his role. He can knock down shots. Uh, He can create offense for himself to a certain degree. He's not afraid of the moment. He's very calm. He's composed. Doesn't play outside of himself and doesn't seem afraid of the moment. Now, Scotty Barnes has been training in the offseason with a known skills trainer. His name is Brian Macon. Uh, I'm going to put his his Instagram page on the show notes and I'm going to put the link to his interview with Yahoo Sports Canada, talking about the offseason work he's been doing with Scotty Barnes. Just to give you some highlights on what they talked about, he mentions Scotty Barnes is a film junkie. Uh, Since an early age, he's loved watching film. He's detail-oriented. They talk about what motivates Scotty Barnes. He's added supposedly 10 to 15 pounds of muscle, and they talk about his jumper improving. Uh, now I, I want to say this, I'm actually, I've been watching the workouts, his jumper in the regular season, it really looked like a load up shot, had some buffer time, wasn't the quickest, right? It wasn't the quickest mechanics. I'm looking at these videos. His shot looks like a one motion shot. Now it looks like a quicker release. It looks faster. It looks more efficient, but more importantly, it looks smoother. It doesn't look like it takes a lot of work for him to get that shot up anymore. Okay, so that's that's a positive thing. Now, I want to get into this part. Okay, I rewatched the first round of the Raptors versus the Sixers. On NBA League Pass, you can actually watch full versions of games, right, obviously. And you can also watch condensed versions of games. You can actually, you actually have two more options on top of that. So you can watch the regular version, the condensed version, which only shows the possessions, right? Just the possessions. It's not going to show, like, let's say the ball goes out of bounds and then the player has to go get it. They give it to the ref. The ref gives it back to them. No, no, it skips all that little buffer time, right? And it just shows you the condensed version. There's also two other versions. There's the home team condensed version. So you could literally just watch Toronto uh, Toronto Raptors possessions. It cuts everything else. And then you can watch the away team, uh, their condensed possessions. It's an awesome way to watch a game because you can really take some notes when you're when you're watching one team, right? But I like to watch the normal condensed version where I can get both possessions, possessions for both the teams. But anyways, after rewatching this, I thought to myself, wow, you know, you look at the scores for the games and you're thinking, man, the Sixers ate them up, but it was closer than it looked. This series could have gone seven games, okay? Uh, Now, I was wrong. I picked the Raptors to win this series because I really like energy and just the youth mentality of we can beat anyone. You know, they're like they're like too young to know better, right? Because clearly, 
uh, the Sixers have the talent, right? The Raptors have talent, but it's young talent. It's raw. It's it's not as experienced in terms of, you know, Gary Trent Jr., Scotty Barnes, you know, guys like that, right, that, that, that are playing a lot of minutes. Not exactly guys that have been there before, right? Obviously, you know, you have Freddie Van Vliet, you have OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, so, you know, Nick Nurse. You do have some experience, but when it comes to talent, let's not ignore that Embiid is the best player in that series, okay? James Harden, you know, probably the second best player in that series. So it's one of those things, right? They're just out-talented. But nonetheless, I picked the Raptors because I thought the energy, the defense, the, the running was going to be overwhelming for James Harden, who looked slow-footed. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, they lost. But I'm going to skip, right? So game one was a complete blowout. It was close early, but then towards halftime, it just became a blowout, right? Uh, the Sixers ran away with it, but Scotty Barnes got hurt, which forced him to miss games two and three as well. Now, we're going to skip to game three, right? The series is 2-0. Sixers are up 2-0. Precious Achua in game three for the Raptors. 27 seconds left in the game. It's 95-95. to He misses both free throws, which then ends up uh, Embiid on the other side, misses a step back three to win the game, and it goes to overtime. The Sixers win it in overtime. Embiid hits an awesome game winner, a little similar to the one he missed uh, to win it in regulation. And so, you know, Embiid hits the game-winning three in overtime. The Raptors lose. The series goes to 3-0. Scotty Barnes is back for game four. He missed game two and three, right? Because of that ankle injury in game one. So here we are in game four. The Sixers are up 3-0, right? And remember, the coach is Doc Rivers. (laughs) So you know social media at the time is thinking, is Doc Rivers going to blow another lead? But we didn't really have that vibe yet because, you know, it's 3-0. It's the Sixers. It's Embiid. It's Harden. Tyrese Maxey is popping off. Uh, Everyone's really popping off for the Sixers. So you're thinking, yeah, this is a sweep. Uh, The Raptors win the game, okay? Uh, so game four, you know, game four, Raptors win it. Scotty Barnes has a bad game, uh, but they win it. Game five, Raptors win again, right? Uh, Raptors win game five. So you're thinking, man, is Doc Rivers going to blow another 3-0 slash 3-1 lead? You know, that's really everyone's thinking, you know, they're even questioning him those things in the press conferences, <laughs> you know? Um and everyone really thought, a lot of people thought, man, Doc Rivers is about to lose another series like this. Uh, but, you know, things happen. And so they completely obliterate the Raptors. I mean, they destroyed the Raptors. But if Precious Achua hits those two free throws in game three, the series goes to 2-1. If the Raptors win game four like they did in this situation, we're looking at 2-2. If the Raptors win you know, game five, we're looking at three, two in favor of the Raptors. But, you know, I can't, I, I don't like getting into those conversations because I'm a firm believer that if something changes, then obviously everything else is going to change. Like if Precious Achua hits those two free throws, right? And the Raptors are up 97 to 95. I don't think Embiid's going to take a step back three. I think Embiid's going to attack the basket and try to get an and one where he just clinches the game with free throws. Or he ties it up and goes to OT, right? So it's like, you know, everything changes. So, but nonetheless, you know, I just want to say that. that the series looked a little closer than it really, than it really was. You know, uh, it, it was closer than it looked, I'm sorry, is what I meant. So we get into the other parts of this team and why you should watch them, right? Besides, obviously, Rookie of the Year, Scotty Barnes, who is awesome to watch. 
OG Ananobi, right? Just he had an awesome series against the Sixers. He's been in trade rumors. Uh, supposedly, he hasn't been feeling like like the team's been utilizing him enough. If you're not familiar with OG Ananobi, he's a six-seven forward, good playoff experience. He is a top-tier three and D player, right? He is a reliable guy. He can score. He can make good plays. A reliable guy. You know, he he's gonna play hard. And we've seen him hit clutch jumpers in his time. So, you know, maybe he's a guy we look out for while we're watching the Raptors. Are they going to trade him? Is he going to stay? We look at a guy that's been tearing up summertime, uh, Malachi Flynn. If you don't know Malachi Flynn, social media knows Malachi Flynn. Uh, 6'1", undersized guard. This is his third year. Backup guard for Freddie Van Vliet, but doesn't really see the floor. Now, this is what he's been doing in the summer. Jamal Crawford's Pro-Am game, 73 points. Toronto Pro-Am game, 54. Drew League, 52. This dude is lighting up all the summer league competitions. But people are going to say, you know, ah, the competition isn't that good. He's not really playing elite talent. That's fine. This guy is 6'1". And all those points were contested shots. Step back NBA range threes, attacking the basket. And remember, he's a 6'1 undersized guard dropping points like this. So clearly, he looks like a bucket. I think that this is a good sign for hopefully things to come for Malachi Flynn. So this could be a big leap year for him, right? So stay tuned for that guy. He could be something in this league. We don't know yet. You know, he looks a little scrawny, looks a little weak, but he definitely looks like a bucket. You got Chris Boucher, right, who signs with the Raptors again. It's a guy that can relatively sprays the floor, right? He can spread the floor a little bit. Not like, he can't really shoot threes, but he can definitely survive in the mid-range. He's a good rebounder. He's a big energy guy. He's a shot blocker. He knows his role, right? You need players that know their roles, and the Raptors have a lot of those guys. Uh, we have Gary Trent Jr., right? Kind of like a, another Fred Van Vliet type, you know, score first guard. He's fun to watch. Hits the step back threes, mid-range game. Just, you know, a nice little... Nice little elite scorer, right, in terms of the point guard position. Not a superstar or anything like that, but the guy can definitely score. You're looking at Pascal Siakam, you know, doing Pascal Siakam things, right? Uh, you know, spin moves into the paint, uh, step back mid-range shots, step back threes. You know, just a nice, he's basically their, their, their star, right? He's the star of the Raptors right now. Uh, Scotty Barnes is coming for him, though. We're looking at one of the weaknesses of this team, right? Uh, something that I feel like needs to bolster the roster, and they drafted it uh, with Christian Coloco. Straight out of Arizona, seven-footer. He's like a modern, athletic Rudy Gobert, right? Now, I say modern Rudy Gobert because Rudy Gobert is kind of a throwback center. You know, drop coverage, uh, block shots, gets rebounds, but can't really do anything in the paint if he's not directly under the rim, right? If he can't dunk it, He's not doing anything else with the ball. So this is not what Christian Coloco does. Christian Coloco, he has post moves. Like he, he has some hook shots uh, with his left, with his right. Um, obviously, he can dunk the ball. He can back people down. He can make the right passes. He is a lob threat. Same as Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert's a lob threat. Uh, but this guy is an athlete, right? So he does more than what Rudy Gobert is going to do. Now, I don't know defensively if he's going to be better than Rudy Gobert, but he is a modern Rudy Gobert type. He's going to run the floor in the break. He's a pogo stick, right? He, his, he has a very quick second jump that helps him 
get a lot of second chance opportunities. So this is a good draft pick. I just hope that it sticks. But yeah, you know, a lot of reasons to watch the Toronto Raptors uh, next season. Uh, interesting to see where they're going to fall in the seating um, and how they're going to look like with roles possibly increasing for certain players. But let's move on to the next team. I'm looking at the Philadelphia 76ers at 51 and 31. Uh, another team that has a great story with a player, right? I, I talked about uh, Bones Highland on the last episode uh, for the Denver Nuggets, the tragic story, obviously a triumphant story for him because he still makes the NBA and things like that. But the Sixers have another guy with an amazing story. So stay tuned for that one. I want to start with this, right? The the part that I'm probably the most interested in because it's a player that's very polarizing, uh, James Harden, right? We're looking at revenge season for James Harden. We're hearing all kinds of reports all over the place about the work he's putting in, about just a different training regimen, about this different approach to having his body ready for the season. James Harden, really known for getting in shape in training camp, right? Not already being in shape before training camp. But that's something that a lot of vets do. Um, but it's not what a lot of the all-time greats have done, right? Players like Kobe, Jordan, LeBron, just like these players that you know they're always coming and they're always ready in shape. But anyways, you know, this is a revenge season for Harden. He heard all the slander. He took a pay cut, right? Quote-unquote pay cut. I say quote-unquote. I mean, it literally, it is a pay cut technically because he could have gotten more money, but I'm just poking some fun at him because it's still a lot of money, <laughs> Right? We have, obviously, the arguably MVP that should have been in Joel Embiid, right? Second place in MVP, two years in a row now, okay? Uh, now, Embiid has talked about the MVP race many times, and he talked about that Jokic, you know, it, what, there's no right or wrong between the two of them. Um, he did mention, you know, that he doesn't know... Uh, what else he needs to do to get the MVP. But here's my advice for Joel Embiid. Um, go for the MVP that matters, right? The finals MVP, right? Yeah, the regular season MVP, it's it's a very, it's an awesome award, right? It's an acknowledgement of your hard work in the regular season. Cool. You know, awesome. It's a, it's a good award to have on your resume. But it's not more meaningful than the finals MVP, right? So, Go for that one, Embiid. Like, that's the one that's going to matter the most because it comes with a championship. So, you know, that's obviously my advice for him. So we get we get a motivated Embiid, right? Two years in a row, he's second place in MVP voting. You know, he fractures his face. Um, season kind of comes to an end earlier than he wanted it to. Um, so, you know, we have two guys that want to have a revenge season, Harden and Embiid. Um, and then let's get to this guy. The guy I'm talking about that has an amazing, another great story in the NBA. His name is Trevlin Queen, okay? Also nicknamed TQ. He played for the Rio Grande Vipers. Uh, he's actually, he was a teammate of Gerald Green. Um, Gerald Green was on that uh, Rio Grande Viper roster. Uh, he's the G League MVP, and they won the championship in the G League. Now, why is his story so amazing? So let's rewind a couple years back. This guy was homeless for a short time. He had no scholarship offers, goes through the G League, and now he finds his way into the Sixers roster. It's kind of like an NBA 2K story mode thing, right? Where 
you go through some hard things. You got to go through the G League. You become the MVP because, you know, in NBA 2K, you're always going to kill it in the story mode, right? Like, like you're always going to be this guy that, you know, went undrafted or wasn't really looked at. And then all of a sudden you're killing everyone no matter where you're playing. So it, it's really like that, right? And this guy is a versatile defender, high energy. He has good vibes. There's a lot of interviews with him where he talks about just being a positive energy for the team, whether he's playing or he's on the bench. He's a two-way player. He can shoot threes. He has a mid-range game. He attacks the basket. He's got good hops. He murdered the G League. I mean, he looked like the clear-cut best G League player out there. Um, and like I said, now he's on this 76ers team. Uh, you know, so that'll be a cool story to follow as well. We're looking at a guy that's been putting in some work in the offseason as well. Uh, in terms of jump shooting and handling, uh, Matisse Thibel, right? The knock on him is always the same. When is the shot going to be a threat? When is it going to be reliable? When is it going to make defenses uh, actually have to put some attention on him? Now, I feel like he has improved that. Um, he does knock them down at times, but it's not a regular occurrence, right? And, and that's what I'm seeing him work on in the offseason, we know he's a defensive specialist. We know he's a unique defender, very versatile, can really guard multiple positions. But the shot is always a question with him, right? Um, and so he's working on his shot. He's working on his ball handling. So let's see what he brings to this next season. Um, another player that the Sixers just picked up, Daniel House. If you're not familiar with Daniel House, he's more famous uh, for something that happened off the court, right? During the NBA bubble, he snuck in a COVID testing employee. To his room, right? Some girl that was doing COVID testing for the teams. He sneaks her in the room, gets caught, and we know that whole story. So, you know, they have Daniel House, guy that can spread the floor. You know, he knocks down threes, good three point shooter, uh, has some size, has some length. Uh, obviously, they grab a player that a lot of Heat fans are upset about. Uh, you know, kind of, they're kind of down about it, right? It's PJ Tucker, dirty, dirty job kind of guy, right? Does the dirty work. This dude is going to knock down threes, the corner three more specifically. You know, he's going to put pressure on the other team's best offensive player. He's he's a multiple position defender, interchangeable guy, doesn't need the ball to be effective because he's going to spread the floor just by him standing out there. Definitely a valuable guy to have on your team. I want to also talk about Tyrese Maxey. Last season was a pop-off season for Tyrese Maxey. Had a really good playoff run this dude is he's really showing up you know so does he take another leap does he stay consistent instead which is still really good as another option for this team Tyrese Maxey is an interesting guy you know knocks down the three he likes to step back he attacks the basket you know not a selfish player still young has good energy very positive doesn't get too high doesn't get too low um, just an exciting kid to watch what I do want to know is if the Sixers are stopping here or if they're going to keep trying to acquire more pieces. Um, I still feel like the depth, you know, isn't really... I feel like, yes, they're a little deeper now, but I feel like they still need to get maybe one more guy, right? Uh, we don't know what's going to happen with Tobias Harris, right? Is he going to get traded? Are they going to keep him? I've had an episode talking about Tobias Harris. Uh, a lot of people... Feel like he needs to be traded because he's overpaid. Some people feel like he is the right guy because he's not selfish. Kind of does whatever the team asks him to do. A little inconsistent. You know, there's like a, a love-hate uh, fan base with Tobias Harris. So, I'm here to tell you, I was in favor of moving him because of the pay. 
right? He, he gets paid a lot. If you can just get a couple of guys that can kind of add up to the production he gives you, I think that's more valuable because he's just not a guy that's going to bring it every night. Uh, I think we have a lot of a lot of uh, proof of that, right? So who knows? You know, does he stay on the team? If so, I think he's still good enough to make this team good. Uh, you know, it's it's just one of those things that we'll never know until it's until he's gone, right? <laughs> so yeah, uh, but I do want to move on to the next team, right? My pick to win it all: the Milwaukee Bucks at fifty-one and thirty-one. Starting from obviously my favorite player to watch in the NBA currently, Giannis Antetokounmpo. I got to go into a small segment for this guy, right? We know everything there is to know about Giannis at this point, right? He is one of the more popular players in the league, uh, on and off the court. Hard to not know he exists at this point. But let me just give you some things. LeBron-esque, right? In terms of when he gets a full head of steam and he's coming down the lane and guys just bounce off of him or they get out of the way and he just dunks on anyone and everyone, really reminds me of LeBron in that sense. Okay, I'm not talking about, you know, the playmaking, the shot creation, anything like that. I'm talking about just in terms of full head of steam coming at you at full speed. Uh, very similar to LeBron. Uh, in terms of just looking like a man amongst boys every night when he's out there. Really stands out. Superior athlete. He is working on his jump shot, as we always see in the summertime. But the shot looks a lot quicker. The release looks smoother. Uh, if you want to get a good look at it, it's uh, he recently had a battle with Jokic, uh, Greece versus Serbia. I don't remember the scoring output for Giannis. I think he dropped 40 points, something like that. Uh, it was an awesome game. I watched parts of it, didn't really watch the whole thing. It was for the FIBA World Cup qualifiers for 2023. Uh, Greece won the game. But yeah, if you want to check out the jumper, I think that's a game where you can really see some spot-up shots. It looks quicker, it looks smoother, just a faster release, you know, something that looks a lot better for him. He just cares so much about basketball, just a throwback player mentality, doesn't cheat the game, he's always playing 110%, just one of those guys, right? But let's move on to the next reasons. Chris Middleton, healthy revenge season, right? He gets hurt in the playoffs, but he's a versatile defender, can guard multiple positions, good shooter, reliable, you know, he can create shooting for himself. He can defend, like I said, multiple positions. He can play multiple positions as well. Uh, he's a guy that if he doesn't get hurt in that series, I wholeheartedly believe they would beat the Celtics and they get to the finals. And I think that the Bucks repeat. Uh, moving on to the next part, Drew Holiday, right? Serviceable guy, a co-star amongst the big three of the Bucks, which is Middleton, Giannis, and Holiday. Uh, obviously, we know him, right? A guy that can guard one through three, sometimes the fours. Um, he's going to hit big shots. He's going to make good plays on, on or off the ball. Just a veteran, reliable guy, solid player. Joe Ingles, who they just recently added to this roster. Now, he's not going to be available until like All-Star because he tore his ACL uh, around February, I believe it is. So it's going to take some time, but he's a perfect fit for this team. A guy that doesn't need the ball. He can score... Um, Obviously, pretty much anywhere on the court, really. He attacks the basket. He is a knockdown shooter. And again, just serves a role and plays good defense, really. Plays pretty good defense. Uh, George Hill, reliable veteran point guard who's been in every scenario. Grayson Allen, solid shooting role guy, right? He kind of disappeared in the playoffs, but he's definitely a guy that's pretty reliable, right? As the season goes on. Bobby Portis, fan favorite, blue collar guy, sharp shooter, 
guards multiple positions, does the dirty work, right? Need a guy like that on every championship team. You got Brook Lopez, who's a drop coverage center. He blocks shots. He gets rebounds. He can get points for himself around the rim. He could shoot from the outside. He could shoot mid-range shots. Very experienced player. Proven champion with the Bucs. Uh, Wesley Matthews, that typical role player, 3 and D guy. Pat Connaughton, you know, another role-playing guy that with or without the ball can impact the game. Knocks down shots. He attacks the basket, plays defense. He's like a high-energy guy. Uh, kind of a guy that like, you know, he dives for the loose balls and things like that, right? Uh, he was on the Long Shot podcast with uh, Duncan Robinson. That's Duncan Robinson's podcast, if you're not familiar. If you want to know more about Pat Connaughton, you can check that out. Uh, Serge Ibaka, who's on a contract year. Obviously, he's been in so many scenarios. Man is just experienced. Blocks shots, knocks down threes, can play in the post. And then they get a draft pick here, right? Marjon Bochamp who I've mentioned in this uh, podcast a couple of episodes ago. G League Ignite guy, he talked to Mike Schmitz. You can check the, the interview on YouTube. He talks about watching a lot of tape on Mikhail Bridges, and this is kind of what he is. He's a, a more athletic Mikhail Bridges. He's like Mikhail Bridges 2.0, you know, uh, can guard multiple positions, gets out and runs. He can really score, does a little bit of everything, and he's going to be a rookie this season. And yeah, those are my reasons for watching the Bucks. And again, my pick to win this year coming up. And now I move on to the Boston Celtics, 51-31. and 31, Finished as the second seed last season. Obviously, we're just in the NBA Finals. Jason Tatum's revenge season um, from a bad Finals performance for him. You know, just... You, you hear the, the personalities on TV like Skip Bayless calling him Jason Turnover. <laughs> Because obviously, you know, he has this this um, this instinct to spin, right? He does this spin move, and he spins into double teams, like the help defender, really often and just loses the ball, right? Sometimes spins into traffic and then jumps in the air, right? And then kind of throws a bad pass in midair. Just, just a lot of bad... Uh, it just didn't look like the Tatum that we saw... Uh, during the regular season and in the playoffs. Now, he is known for making turnover mistakes and sometimes bad decisions, right? He's kind of like a bad shot taker, bad decision maker at times. So is this a revenge season for Jason Tatum? Is he going to... Um, I'm sure, you know, this is a guy that that wants to win. So I'm sure it eats at him, you know, the decision making, the, the turnovers, the slander that he has to hear all the time during the offseason and leading into the next season. So, let's see. Does Jason Tatum capitalize? Does he make another run to the NBA Finals this season? I say no, because I have the Milwaukee Bucks going to the Finals and winning it all. That's my opinion. Now, uh, Jalen Brown on this roster, right? Uh, you're going to get a revenge season for Jalen Brown as well. You know, th this is a full revenge season for this team, right? So if for any reason to watch the Celtics other than watch the journey of after after that failure in the finals, right? Just kind of like, you know, to me, I thought the Celtics were going to win uh, during the series, against the Warriors. I thought the Celtics would win because of the versatility, because of the energy, because of the youth. Um, you know, just just fresher legs, in my opinion, because a lot of the Warriors vets have played a lot of 
a lot of games in the finals, a lot of playoff games, you know, just just a lot of a lot of miles under those legs, right? Um, so that that's what I thought ultimately would shift the series. Now, obviously, I was wrong, you know, and the Warriors ended up winning it. Um, but yeah, you know, we're looking at Jalen Brown this season. Big guy in trade talks, you know, you don't really hear Jason Tatum being moved around or anything like that. It's all about Jalen Brown. He's like the main piece that's always talked about. You know, he tweeted "Shake my head" when when there were some rumors that that KD was being offered for J, for or Jalen Brown was being offered for KD in some sort of package. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to watch how they bounce back from all that turmoil. Now uh, they drafted a kid uh, at the with the fifty third pick. Who, by the way, he's on a video interview. Uh, well, he's in person interview with Mike Schmitz, who I constantly name on these on this podcast. Uh, because, you know, you learn a lot about the prospects that are coming in. His name is J.D. Davison, played for Alabama. He's a 6'2 guard with a 6'6 wingspan. Why am I telling you to watch him if he was picked 53rd? It's exactly why I'm telling you to watch him. This kid, I don't know, he probably fell because he was a backup guard for the most part on Alabama, so didn't really get to showcase a lot, but if you want to get an idea, um, he reminds me of John Wall. In terms of shot not there, but he's a freak athlete. He's super fast, prefers to play in, in full court, right, in transition. Um, isn't really a half-court guy, but he's a really good passer, um, can finish above the rim, has the spin moves in the lanes, uh, can finish in traffic, just a really good finisher at the basket. Um, he killed it in summer league, had a lot of good moments, but again, loves the full court, kind of reminds me of John Wall in that sense, right, um, and yeah, you know, we get to the other parts, right, the new additions that also come with some bad news that we, that I heard a couple of days ago, Danilo Gallinari, who just recently tore his meniscus in international play, right, just a guy that just, he can never stay healthy, man, this guy is hurt all the time, you know, uh, one of those players that he w- he has always been a skilled guy, but just can never stay healthy. Always hurt. And, you know, that was one of the big off-season moves for them. Uh, and uh, the biggest one, really, is, that's left is Malcolm Brogdon, right? What's going to happen with Malcolm Brogdon? Because I told everyone on the pod, and as you can hear as well out there, uh, a lot of people love the Brogdon move, right? And I'm a, I'm a Brogdon fan, but it's the same problem with Gallinari. Brogdon just can never really have a fully healthy season. He's injured really often, has a lot of injury history, so health is the question with Brogdon. And now with Gallinari out, kind of shortens the rotation a little bit, um, you know, and then Brogdon will probably have to play a lot more than was planned. Um, I think Brogdon should be getting a lot of minutes on this team, but again, another guy with injury history. So Celtics are, 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 are you know, in some dangerous territory here. Uh, but yeah, you know, Derek White, obviously, they get that veteran back here for another season, doing the little things, you know, making shots when the shots matter. Uh, obviously, uh, enemy fan bases are, um, you know, always gonna gonna say, oh, leave him open, let him shoot, whatever, you know, but time and time again during the playoffs really proves some guys wrong. Um, Peyton Pritchard, you know, the typical white Boston Celtics player, right? Showed a lot of promise, had some big moments, but then also disappeared a lot. You know, I forget the series, but I remember he had like a blow up game in, in, in one game in a series. Uh, he's hitting step back threes, contested threes, just looked like a, a straight, 
he was just bawling in that game. I forget the game that it was, and he was yelling at the opposing team, this is what I do, this is what I do, and then after that, you don't really know, you never heard from him again. So yeah, we'll see another season from Peyton Pritchard, uh, Grant Williams, obviously this team's uh, partial Draymond Green-ish player, right? Kind of like a do-it-all defender, energy guy, can stretch the floor, improve from three. Let's see what happens in a revenge season. We get Marcus Smart, fresh out of a finals loss. We know how hungry that guy plays, high energy guy. We got Rob Williams, who can't really stay healthy, uh, has had a lot of injuries, uh, in and out of lineups, you know, but obviously a promising player, right? Um, guy that's just an energy guy, he's getting rebounds, he's blocking shots, he's a lob threat, you know, just a do-it-all guy for them. Al Horford, right? Still chasing that first championship ring. Um, you know, he's on an expiring contract. So, you know, potentially, who knows, is this his last season? You know, we don't know. Um, another reason to watch those Celtics, you know, but the main reason to me is to watch their journey after a finals loss. Will they make it all the way back? That remains to be seen, but I want to move on to the next team and final team from the Eastern Conference. All right, now before you guys get all you know, get all mad because no other team got a little intro from an actual in-game arena. They were the number one seed last season. So I want to do that for the team on the Western Conference as well. Uh, but that's just a slight little, you know, celebratory uh, introduction for this team. They made the one seed. You know, people didn't really think that they were going to do uh, or get as far as they did. You know, they got seven games from the Boston Celtics who end up going to the finals and losing it. Um, and you could argue that the Heat could have beaten the Celtics. Uh, if a couple of guys just showed up for the Heat, they would have definitely beat the Celtics. It's just one of those things. It's why I say that there are two asterisks with the Boston Celtics uh, finals appearance. Right, but you know, if we go back in history, there's asterisks in every uh, in every championship team's uh, history or run to the finals. There's asterisks for every team that lost in the finals, things like that. Right, so I don't want to get too deep into that, but I do want to say this: Middleton gets hurt, they beat the Bucks. Uh, Tyler Hero, obviously hurt in that series. Kyle Lowry, not himself, obviously he was injured as well, and the Heat players just didn't really show up. Even then, the series went seven games. Uh, it, they're a Jimmy Butler shot away <laughs> from eliminating the Celtics despite all of that, right? So that's why I argue that I don't think the Celtics will be back in the finals. But this is about the Heat, so let's talk about the Heat. 53-29 and 29 last season, obviously the one seed, like I said. Uh, let's look at, obviously, the face of the franchise as it stands. Jimmy Butler million miles on his legs, one of the reasons, one of the many reasons for why I just don't think the Heat are going to be a one seed next season. There's a million reasons why, but, you know, you can never count Jimmy Butler out. He's always going to give you 110%. Dude plays hard. He shows up in big moments. Um, you know, obviously, it's kind of a counter, <laughs> kind of like, a, kind of goes against <laughs> what I had just said, that Jimmy Butler didn't make that last shot, but you know what I mean, he, he's big time, he came up big in those playoffs, he's come up big many times in his career, 
good player to watch in the regular season. This is a good team to watch in the regular season because they just win games. You know, they never tank. They're always going to play hard. They're always going to go for the wins. That's a big reason why you want to watch this team. Another reason, if you're a Victor Oladipo fan, he turned down some other options, supposedly, to take a one-year deal with the Heat again. It's a prove-it deal. It's, I'm going to show everyone what I got so I can get max money next season or something like that, right? But he's 30 years old, going into year 10. Who knows what we're going to get out of Victor Oladipo? Had some flashes. Obviously, he was injured. You know, he did have some good moments. So, interesting player to watch, obviously, in a contract year. Uh, We look at their draft pick, right? I think it was the 27th pick, Nikola Jovic. I talked about him before. I I texted a friend of mine about an hour before the Heat had their pick. And I actually told my friend specifically, I still have the text to this day, uh, telling him, hey man, the Heat should definitely take this kid Nikola Jovic with the pick they have. And surely enough, they did. Now, (laughs) I would probably be under fire on on fan Twitter for the Heat uh, because of the performances and things like that in Summer League. But I want to say this, he got hurt in Summer League. Uh, It wasn't anything serious. It was a quad contusion, I believe. But listen, 6'10 forward, just guard skills galore. He's got the ball handling at a guard level. He has the step back three. He really can shoot the ball. Now, he can attack the basket. He makes good passes. He's like like a 6'10 Goran Dragic in a way. Uh, But I want to say more flashy than Dragic. Uh, Now, I want to say this. He needs to get stronger because he really likes the step-back threes. And a lot of the times, they're air balls or they hit front rim. Now, obviously, he caches some of them, right? He's a good shooter. I want to see him definitely get stronger because of that. Because you can tell in summer league and international games, he really goes to that step-back jumper in the mid-range or in the three. Uh, very, very interesting player to watch. Um, I don't know what the Heat are going to do with him. Hopefully, they actually play him some minutes because I do think he's valuable. He's going to stretch the floor. He can actually rebound. Uh, he's a very patient player under the rim. Uh, does a, Has a lot of pump fakes, right? Pretty patient under the rim, like I said. Um, and he can finish in the post, right? So, you know, he does crash the boards. I will say this, though. Hovers around the three a lot. You know, just just camps out there around the three-point line. But he does crash the boards when when his team uh, takes shots. You know, it's not like he just stands there and then runs three-pointer to three-pointer. Um, but, yeah, that's that's what I want to say about Jovic. Um, but he did look slow-footed. Didn't look like a guy that was demanding the ball. Didn't really play with high energy. But my complaint is that they were not using him the way these other teams were using their, their high picks, their first-round picks. Even their second round picks. Uh, A lot of these teams really featuring their picks. You know, J.D. Davison for the Celtics was picked 53rd. And this guy is tearing it up because they're letting him play his game. Nikola Jovic wasn't really a focal point at any time. He had a pop-off game uh, in Summer League. But that was mainly like catch and shoot, some tip-ins, some putbacks, some freebies. Wasn't really a, here, Jovic, take the ball and do something with it, right? It was... It was a lot of just good opportunities. Um, Kyle Lowry comes back, talks about him having a wasted season. He talks about, uh, supposedly we hear some rumors about Pat Riley saying he's going to be in prime shape. 
uh, next season, you know? So maybe we get a healthy season out of Kyle Lowry. Proving some of those Heat fans wrong. Had a lot of Heat fans in my DMs telling me we need to get rid of this guy, Kyle Lowry. Mind you guys, I am not a Heat fan. Again, I have been a Laker fan since 2002. So there's no bias here with the Heat. But I kept telling these guys, listen, he's he has some miles. This guy is what? 36 years old, I'm looking at here on NBA.com, has a lot of miles, but he's a Team USA guy. He's an Olympian. He's a champion. He's a leader. He's a bulldog. He he makes good plays. He knocks down shots. He knows how to play the game. Uh, gets a lot of charge calls. He's a pest on defense. Really annoying player to deal with. Um, you know, Kyle Lowry, solid player. Just hurt, you know, just hurt. Hard to play when you're hurt. Uh, you know, Markeith Morris, Bam Adebayo, the, you know, this guy right here, Bam Adebayo, uh, he really wants to win Defensive Player of the Year. He has been on J.J. Reddick's podcast. Uh, I think he's been on a couple other pods, not remembering at the moment. But man, Bam Adebayo, just the epitome of an interchangeable player, right? Just can play multiple positions on offense and defense, solid defender, good rebounder, shot blocker. Just, you know, the one thing that's missing for Bam, if you're a Heat fan, you know where I'm going with this. The dude in pick and roll does not look at the rim. Please, please, Bam, please. The only thing missing in your game, and if if he has this part of his game, the jump shot, if he has the jumper, the Heat are going to be disgusting. You know, they're going to be really good if Bam can unlock the jumper. When he's in pick and roll or like dribble handoff action at the top of the key, for example, he has the ball, right? And he's going to do the handoff with Tyler Hero or Jimmy Butler or whoever it is. He ain't even looking at the rim, like at all. And the defenses know this. So they're not even guarding him up top, right? They can, they can go under every time because he won't even try to put up the shot, right? And that's a problem, you know, because that's a spacing problem. Uh, they're playing four on five. Uh, the the opposing team plays four on five in favor of them because they don't have to worry about Bam at the top of the key like that. So show us the jumper, man. You know, hopefully I'm seeing him work on the jumper in the offseason, but you know how that goes. It's like the Ben Simmons thing where you see him working on the shots, but you don't see them in the regular season. Next on the list, Tyler Hero. Polarizing guard, year four, Fan favorite in Miami, probably the, the most popular player on the team, uh, even though Jimmy Butler, I think Tyler Hero is like the youth, like the young Miami Heat fan favorite, and then Jimmy Butler is more of like the veteran Miami Heat fan favorite, because they know he's really the guy that, that, that drives the ship home, right? Um, but yeah, Tyler Hero, obviously, year four, wins six man of the year, very young player, good scorer, would like to see him get stronger. He looks like he got stronger in the offseason. Um, I'm looking at one of the twins, Caleb Martin, really good role player, solid guard, uh, slash forward. I guess they have him listed at forward for some reason. Um, you know, Dwayne Dedman, not sure if he's going to play, uh, but, you know, he is their seven-footer, kind of like one of their only, like, centers. Um, I do want to say this, uh, Omer Yurt seven. Okay, I don't watch a lot of Heat games, but this is going to be year two for this guy. 6'11 center, he needs to play. Okay, he needs to play. I, I don't know what it is about the Heat. I don't know what it, why I'm not seeing him like that, but we need to see him. You know, I, I got to see what he's got. You know, clearly, you know, they call him Turk Nowitzki. 
right, for a reason. So let's see that, right? This is year two. Let's involve him a little more. I want to see what he's got. Um, Duncan Robinson, obviously, having bad moments in the playoffs in the regular season, kind of loses his rotational spot to um, to Max Struess, right? So we'll see. You know, they've got shooters on this team. They've got defenders. They've got vets. You know, Eric Spolstra, obviously, just the, the brain of the organization, right? Just smart coach, one of the best coaches in the NBA. You know, this team is going to be really interesting. Seeing how guys develop their game and seeing how it affects their season coming up. It's a revenge season for them because they were almost in the finals. So let's see what happens. Uh, but that's going to do it for this episode. I'm your host, Vic Lopez. This is the All Things Basketball Podcast. And I'll catch you guys on the next one for the top five of the Western Conference. Music.